1: On the Andy Moore Automotive Group got a couple of teams in this case with a lot of mystery. I just think that there's more mystery going in to that of what we have seen or not seen out of the Saints to this point. And at John J. Hendricks, you can find him. In the social media platform X, he also writes uh, at Saints News Fan Nation, si.com. John Hendricks joins us. You got your finger on the pulse of what hasn't gone right compared to the expectations that you had, maybe others had about this football team, especially offensively at the beginning of the season. Now we're a couple of a months deep into the campaign.
2: Yeah, I think it's fingers at this point, not just one finger, you know what I mean? Because it's just a, yeah. a wealth of things that are just kind of wrong right now. And, and look, again, I think we had a lot higher expectations coming in the, into the season. I know I did. Um, really, the biggest problems are this third down and this red zone. And, and if they could at least be half uh, better than what they are, they would be in a different boat. But, you know, as far as it goes – a lot of it's execution. A lot of it's miscommunication. It's just basic football that seems to
1: be beating this team. So John Hendricks joins us. He covers the Saints on the Andy Moore Automotive Group you know, Obviously, John, we always start with the quarterback. We do. You do. Um, compared to what the feeling was before the start of the season regarding Derek Carr, where is that feeling among those in the fan base presently?
2: They're very restless right now. And I think that's the biggest thing to take away is that, you know, you thought this was going to be a lot different product of what's out there. You've got a lot of talent, guys like Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, they upgraded in tight end room. They upgraded in wide receiver spot. They upgraded in a lot of areas, but, you know, the offensive line have their fair share of struggles start the season, but they've kind of figured things out, even though they've kind of been a patchwork type of line, but, you know, a lot of this hinges on the quarterback play and, and you know right now i think fans are very restless they're very uh pessimistic when it comes to derek carr and what what things are going on but you know i mean the numbers speak for themselves they're at the bottom of the league in red zone they're bottom of the league in third down you know scoring wise they're not getting the 20 points a game there's 11 teams that are still worse than them right now but you know it's a challenge right now and a lot of it hinges on number four but you know, they're hopefully hopefully, and uh, very cautiously optimistic going into this weekend.
1: They're not anywhere near, right, making a decision to go to the backup. I want to be clear on that, yeah. correct?
2: No, no, they definitely not there. I don't think we'll get okay. to that point either. I think that uh, the way things are playing out right now, a lot of, of, of heat has been put on Pete Carmichael Jr., their offensive coordinator. And, look, I think that – They've done a pretty good job of moving the football. It's just that execution when it counts. That's been their biggest problem right now. All
1: right, John. A little bit more about this matchup, too, you know, in terms of, of Derek Carr and, and obviously Chris Olave, and we all noticed this because it was pointed out. We know Chris Olave got arrested. We know the, the circumstances behind that. But when things don't go according to expectations, and then especially when you get the quarterback yelling at the wide receiver to run, not running the route right, even though the quarterback threw it nine miles out of bounds, how is all of that stuff going over in that locker room?
2: Well, it's much better. They handled a lot of that stuff on Tuesday, uh, you know, as as far as, as Monday and Tuesday they used. You know, it wasn't until Tuesday they actually started diving into the Colts film and such, and so – Look, Derek Carr, I mean, he took a lot of ownership of it and a lot of respect there just because he said, you know, I can't let my emotions, you know, boil over like that and show. And he took it upon himself to, to kind of FaceTime his teammates, FaceTime everybody, and just kind of everybody got it out, right? Is, is that, you know, what's the, what's, you know, what are you feeling like? And then let's just talk about it and talk through that. So I think they got a lot of the, the things out. And of course, they're going to keep a lot of that in house. But again, the words are good and everything that we've heard, it's been like that all season. And, and, and truth be told, they're a couple of plays away from being a much better team at maybe 5-2 and two or even 6-1. and one. But, you know, I think they believe that they've solved everything in-house from top down. And, you know, again, it's going to be interesting to see how they actually respond on Sunday.
1: so John Hendricks covers the Saints with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, James Hurst along that offensive line um, is is somebody from here locally from Plainfield High School back in the day. Um, what is, is his status for his return back to Indy coming up on Sunday?
2: Well, he's just one of uh, the only player that's been ruled out this week. He's not ready to go with that ankle injury, although he is making some okay. good strides to, in the right direction. But they have nine players that are questionable going into Sunday. But he's the only one ruled out, which is kind of a, a little bit of a miracle in itself the way this team's health has gone this year.
1: I, how has the offensive line been to this point, John, of the season for the Saints?
2: Well, you know, like I said, they struggled early on in the year. And, you know, the first couple of games, they just weren't good. And, you know, that was one of their strengths last year. You had the, the most of the continuity there. Trevor Penning was expected to be a, a lot better at left tackle. And, you know, unfortunately, he got benched, and he's taking it, it well, and he's going to develop a good bit. And that's when they kicked out James Hurst, the left tackle. And they're using veterans like Max Garcia at left guard, Against the uh, Jaguars, they had a lot of guys because Ramchek was out with the concussion. But, you know, I say all that and say that they, they definitely aren't the problem um, when it comes to things. I think they're doing a pretty good job. I think when it comes to playing the Colts, you'll see kind of a, a similar setup where you're going to have maybe Andres Pete out at left tackle and Max Garcia at left guard. And then their right side and middle is going to be the same guys. But look, they can create some running lanes. They can handle some pressure. But – they're going to be tested a good bit against this Colts defense. He's definitely not one to play around with.
1: You know, John Foster Moreau has gone through so much. Uh, and he also went through on the field, the situation that nobody that's ever been thrown to pass wants to have to go through. Unfortunately, some ultimately do. Uh, what has been team wise and individually speaking, and, and again, a dude that has been through so much health wise to this point, what's been the response for him individually and for his teammates?
2: Well, you know, following the game, I mean, he he took it about as hard as anybody I've ever seen in a locker room take it. And, you know, look, the bottom line is his teammates did rally around him. And, and the truth be told, a lot of them said the same thing. It shouldn't have come down to that one play, right? As they looked really – I mean, it looked like crap in the first half. Let's just call it for what it is. And they were able to rally in the second half. But, again, they're third down, there were three, three of 18 on third down. And Reds only were only two of four. And so, again – the way things played out defensively, they started sluggish in the first half. And so, again, there's a lot of hands dirty in this. And, and Foster's a really good guy in the locker room, really well-respected. But I think that's been the consensus is, look, man, this is bigger than football. Uh, obviously, and the things that he's beaten in his life, That's that means a lot more. But, you know, his teammates have, have really picked him up, and he's in really good spirits this weekend. I, I'm expecting him to have a much better bounce back game.
1: So, John Hendricks covers the Saints on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, The matchup on Sunday features the Saints and the Colts at 1 o'clock start at Lucas Oil Stadium. You can, of course, hear the game right here. We mentioned the heat from the fan base that's on the quarterback, Derek Carr. How much of that heat is presently on the offensive coordinator, Pete Carmichael?
2: Yeah, I think it's uh, sizzling, probably. I think Pete Carmichael's probably taking the brunt of the struggles right now, you know, because, again, he's a guy that's been – in this system for a long time, and he's learned from Sean Payton. It's a lot of Sean Payton offense that they're running right now. And so, look, a lot of people are calling for a change, and you got a guy like Ramo Curry, who was a quarterback in this league and a wide receiver and such. And so he's, he's welcome, and kind of waiting and saying, okay, you've done this. I think we've seen kind of the same offense for three years now is that – you saw it post Drew Brees; it was a struggle with Sean Payton. You saw it post Sean Payton, a struggle with Pete Carmichael with the quarterback carousel, and now you're seeing it again with Derek Carr being brought in as a, a highly paid free agent that was supposed to just come in and manage games and, and put up more than 20 points a game. But you know, I think he's taking a lot of heat right now, and and look, he can take it, right? I and mean, he knows he has to be better, and he's going to say that number one. But you know, I think his play calling has been pretty good. It's just that red zone in some of the area. And if you look at it, like against the Jaguars, some of their personnel just getting lined up or their formations, it seems like they might be doing too many things with complexity because they lead the league in, in their formational looks. And so, again, he's, he's hopefully going to get it together, but a lot hinges on him having the right play calls at the right time with their car being able to execute
1: Hey, John, Pete Warner is another local indie product here playing linebacker. Uh, How has he been with with a group that's been really talked about a lot? It seems like if you're not talking about Cam Jordan, you're talking about somebody on the back end in that secondary of this defense. But his level of play from what you've witnessed so far this year?
2: I think he's one of the most underrated, overlooked players in the league right now. And, And the thing is, I think he's playing outstanding. He's got a lot on his plate, you know, playing alongside DeMario Davis. But, you know, I I said that going into this year, the Saints defense definitely had the the potential to be a top-ten unit, even better than that. And we're seeing a lot of really good things from them, but they have a lot of guys that nobody knows who they are, right? And you know the Cam Jordans, you know Tyron Matthew, you know DeMario Davis, but outside of that, those are a lot of guys in that, on that team and that defense that you just don't really know too much about or haven't heard too much about. But look, Pete Warner's playing exceptionally uh, good football right now. Uh, look, against the Jaguars, he actually had the green dot. He was getting a lot of communication because Demario Davis is dealing with the knee issues. And so he's really only being used on first and second down with Zach Vaughn going in on third. But Pete Warner's the guy that's on the field for the bulk of the, the defensive plays. And, He's a big reason why, you know, they, they, they do what they do defensively and can can not get allow things to get off to the edge. And he just does so many things well for this team. So he's definitely very underrated and underappreciated, in my opinion.
1: Hey, John, before I let you go, too, we often have this phrase of, hey, it is the AFC South, so it's still doable no matter what. Do you have the same phrase covering the Saints? It's still the NFC South. So it's still doable, considering the Saints right now three and four.
2: Yeah, it must be something with those South divisions, I and mean, we're just we're going through it too. But you know, <laughs> yeah. I guess so is that you know Atlanta has got some issues, Tampa's got some issues, New Orleans has some issues, and look, the bulk of this is not gonna, is going to come down to this back half of the schedule. The Saints have a lot of NFC South opponents on their back half, and you know that's really where it's going to be won. I don't know that the NFC is that real strong of a conference outside, maybe Philly, San Francisco, and Detroit. But, you know, I don't know if you get two NFC South teams in, uh, in the postseason this year. I think it's possible. The division is very much up for grabs right now, and it's one of those that somebody's got to come to the table and be ready to take it.
1: Hey, John, man, fantastic work, too, and especially with some of the the local flavor that went through high school around here. Always interesting to see those stories evolve. John Hendricks, again, Saints lead writer, reporter. That's Saints News Fan Nation, SI.com. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy the game, John. Thank you very much for the time.
2: Thank you for having me, guys. Look forward to going up to Andy. Great place.
1: Live from the back nine on a Bud Light Blue Friday on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from ESPN Radio. He is a friend of the show and is a bright light down in Bloomington teaching the young broadcasters and journalism students of tomorrow exactly what to do. It is our friend Mike
0: Wells. Hello, Mike. What's going on, Jay, man? You are right about some great high school football games. I think the best game in the state will be happening on the west side of indianapolis this evening a battle of purple undefeated yes. brownsburg bulldogs going against those boys at ben davis uh two of two of the best three teams of, and, and and the uh larger class in the state of indiana going at it tonight unfortunately one of the schools has to go home very very early in the season i just man that's gonna be a hell of a game weather's gonna be beautiful and i'm going to be out there in ben davis if uh any of the listeners are going to be out there. I would gladly take a free hot dog.
1: <laughs> are you going to be rocking your uh, Brownsburg Bulldogs Air Jordans
0: <coughs> from the uh, old school I, I, wise? Yes. Hey, listen, you saw them. You saw them a couple weeks ago. Miss Layla said they're ugly. I'm gonna I'm, I'm have I'm gonna have my purple, white, and black Jordan low top Jordans on tonight. Bulldog sweatshirt. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna be rolling straight all Brownsburg tonight. Let me
1: tell you this, and I I love those shoes, and I love the old school Jordans. I don't know how comfortable they are because I've got old school Barclays from the early 90s, and it's like I'm wearing a really bad pair of work boots. I don't like those too much, but I love the look. However, I'm a bigger fan of the Nike Dunks of the 80s, and I'm a bigger fan of the Georgetown Hoya Nike Dunks. Of the 1980s, that's my favorite shoe of all time. Whether we're talking about Georgetown that had Hoyas and block letters on the back, or if we're talking about St. John's back then when Mullen would rock those red and white, or Willie Glass would have the red and white for the then, you know, no longer uh, the the Redmen, obviously with changing their name to the Red Storm, but. St. John's back then were known for those red and white Nike Dunks. My favorite all-time pair of shoes, basketball-wise, Mike.
0: No, you, no, you're right, man. I love those Jays back in the day. The Dunks, man. I got to tell you, the shoes were good, but you you I mean, I felt like I, was, I felt like that day I saw you in a Mojo that Saturday morning. I felt like my my. Uh, we're walking on concrete. They're not exactly the most yes. comfortable. I, I, I give them a 10.0 in style, a zero point zero in comfort uh, when it, when it, when it yes. comes to those shoes. But you know what? I, I got those same Barclays too, where I felt like I was. Remember the ankle weights people used to wear, so they felt like they were you know help us jump higher. That's <laughs> what I feel like. Anytime I will wear those those Nike Barclays, man.
1: Yes. No, you're absolutely right. The Barclays are heavy as hell. I wear often the uh the old Adidas hard toe pro models. And man, they felt really comfortable back then. There's zero comfort in those things right now. I think the shoebox they came in would be more comfortable.
0: True story. Uh, exactly. Man, I was listening to you talk about the Thursday night NBA games. You're right. Yes. Dame look hey, that was a hell of a coming out party for Dame Little last night with 39 points, Giannis with 23, and just Dame getting bucket at bucket. And if I'm Peter yeah. Denway, good, good friend of you, uh, of yourself and myself, I'm telling James, keep your ass away from the facility. Yes. Don't come around. Continue to eat you some cheese steaks with extra, extra whiz on them because we don't want you on the team. As as good of a scorer as he is, he's dead weight. he's a distraction. And he's not going to help the 76ers as far as when it comes to moving on, trying to get finally get to the, trying to get to the NBA Finals.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. In fact, if I'm any team that's in contention in the NBA, if I'm the Clippers, I don't want that dude anywhere near. That team, anybody's team, to be honest, because it has been clear over recent history that all he is going to bring is a bunch of garbage to your team. And his talent at this point in his career is nowhere near the weight that he brings of his disgruntled nature. So if I'm anybody out there, I don't know why you'd even jack with it or even think about it.
0: I mean, what his weight is equivalent to those Barclays that you and I were talking about. He's just yes. sluggish, and he holds you down out there. And, you know, before people get mad at us, I got to say what the Pacers did the other night, I know it was the Wizards. The Wizards are going to be, in the words of our good friend, Michael Brady, a boo-boo basketball team. But still, to put up 140-plus points and bring that type of excitement that they did on um, on their opening night, that w- that was a great thing to see out of that franchise and what they did to kick off their 2023-2024 season.
1: So, Mike Wells of ESPN Radio on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Highline. Mike mentioned Brownsburg and Ben Davis part of those sectional semifinals going on later on tonight and obviously the biggest. And Bob Lovell will talk about that at the bottom of the hour. You mentioned this accurately. Washington is not a good basketball team. I thought the Pacers did outside of that first quarter exactly what you needed to do. I mean, you put them down, didn't get back up. Defense got much better. I think when it really mattered the second quarter and third quarter, they were uh, holding Washington under 30 points in those quarters after surrendering 39 in that first one. And then offensively, they didn't miss anything. And that's what was most important to me. I want them to get better defensively, Mike. I think they have to, but I don't want them to get sidetracked at all offensively. And we saw... We saw certainly a night number one the other night. They didn't do that.
0: No, no, they did. And you're right. I mean, outside of that first quarter, who was my man for the Wizards? Tyus what? Tyus Jones, who had, had a hell Jones. of first quarter. Yeah, he had a hell of a first quarter for the Wizards. Um, and you're like, okay, maybe you know they're going to be able to compete. But then, like you said, after that first period was over, with the Pacers just saw they flipped the switch and they brought the type of excitement, the type of excitement that. You know, we saw in the first part of last season before they hit that low and uh, kind of came crashing back down to earth, if they can continue to play that well, defend, you know, play some good defense and stuff, scoring is not going to be an issue for them. They've got enough guys to put the ball in the bucket. And I, I think, you know, it's funny. I've talked to a number of people about, about Rick Carlisle, and they said he is just a completely, completely different person this go-around. And I know he's been there for a couple of seasons, but he's a – different person is going around with this franchise, and he is the perfect guy to get this team going, And which is why as Adrian Wojnowski, um reported earlier this week, he got that new contract extension.
1: Yeah, it's, it's funny, too. If you were to seeing the way this team plays now and then revert back to when he was here or when he was in Detroit, um, you know, obviously you know, before that time in Dallas, but when he was here the first time he was in Detroit uh, – those offenses would be really un- unrecognizable, and he probably wouldn't enjoy that a great deal. But you have seen this team, I think, kind of vault into the modern era and how basketball is played. Whether or not you like it, I mean, it really doesn't matter because most of these NBA teams play the way that we see the Pacers play right now. And we have seen that they have some bodies and some personnel that can adapt to it. And we'll see if this is um, a longer-term thing. But they have gotten into the era in which, Mike, we sit right now, and NBA basketball, really basketball in general, is being played.
0: The fact that you said, the the, the key word, everything you just said was adapt. And that's what Carlisle has done is he adapts. I I recall having countless conversations with Jamal Tinsley uh, when I covered the Patriots on how stubborn um, Rick Carlisle was and how he would not change his ways. Carlisle's clearly, again, adapted to how the game is being played now and basing it off of his personnel, not off of his strict coaching beliefs. He's doing it off what he has on the roster and how the game is being played. And that's, the, that's why you see the transformation out of the Spacers team.
1: So Mike Wells of ESPN Radio is us. What do you think about the Colts matchup with the Saints? Disappointing on Sunday, to say the least. What about this matchup this Sunday against New Orleans, Mike?
0: Man, you know, I can't fi- I can't figure out the- I can't figure out New Orleans from from a Colts standpoint. A, Jonathan Taylor's you can see Jonathan Taylor's finally you know getting his turn to get his groove back. Um, Gardner Minshew, man, I'm not sure who protects the ball worse, you and uh, you and I or Minshew when it comes to not turning the ball over. Um, yeah. But from a Saints perspective, I I can't I can't figure them out. I've always been a dark Derek Carr guy. I wish that, you know I, I sound like an idiot now, but a couple years ago, I wanted the Colts to go get Derek Carr over Carson Wentz. Um, but I just, you know, Carr was good one moment. Next moment, he doesn't look good. So he's a guy that's hard to figure out. The Saints as a whole or um, I think the Colts win the game. I mean, long story short, I think the Colts have enough where they will beat the Saints this weekend.
1: So Mike Wells with us. Tell the awesome Layla and the rest of the fam I said hello. Don't get all kinds of wild – at that game later on tonight, okay? And I know what we're going to have is the loser of this game with Ben Davis and Brownsburg will be crying high school football postseason seeding after the game. You know that's going to
0: Oh, oh I, and I, I know it. And I'm saying you're talking to somebody on the Brownsburg school board. If Brownsburg loses, they're <laughs> going to make comments about it. And, I mean, they're going to talk about it because they had to go on the road um, despite being undefeated and having to play Ben Davis. They will they will have um, some comments to say about it. The same way Ben Davis will too. Even though Ben Davis is the home team, if they lose, they're going to moan and groan about having to play the number one ranked team in 6A, the Open Sectional playoffs. The, the complaints are going to the complaints are going to be coming from both teams. Whatever team loses, there will be some complaints coming up about it. And there's no ifs ands or buts about it. I think uh, so. I'm gonna text our good friend Kyle Nutterick. And who was also a Brownsburg guy, and say, I hope you already you're ready to put those quotes in the paper for tomorrow.
1: Now, how many more years do you have on the uh, school board of Brownsburg?
0: <clears throat> I have I, this time. This time next year, I will be getting ready to uh, hopefully be reelected. This time next year, so four-year term. Oh, do you do you, you uh, want to be reelected? Do you want to be reelected? Oh, yeah. Listen, hey, listen, man. The fact I, I got through being on the school board during COVID time and people wearing yeah. masks. I think I, I think I got through the worst. I would love to continue to be on the school board. In fact, you know, I, I had 76% of the votes uh, three years ago. I'm trying to get up to 80% of the votes. So hopefully people, hopefully I've done enough where people want to reelect me. Yeah,
1: man, you do something. I got to give you credit. There's no way in hell I'd want to be on anybody's school board, buddy. Not one ounce. Man, none. hey,
0: listen, I hey, I know Brownsburg has people complaining. I heard about things. her CG's just as wild down there, bro, so I don't blame you. Well, I mean
1: not only that, but where I grew up, I mean Eastern Green, you talk about a bunch of backbiting going on. No nobody eats their own where I'm from. Quite like Eastern Green, <laughs> like, I mean, they they devour devour their own. One minute they're friends, the next minute they're not. So I, uh, oh my, yeah, I wouldn't oh my I wouldn't God. be long for that event right there. I couldn't stand it.
0: Hey, are you coaching on Sunday,
1: man? Or you got to do the show? Oh, I'll, I'll probably be down there at some point. Yeah, I'll be there. I think
0: we got. Hey, listen, uh, I think we got Ron hey, Colley
1: in Martinsville or something like that. I think.
0: Oh, hey, so, tell my girl lady she's got the green light from Uncle Mike. Uncle Mike says she's got the <laughs> green light. Let let, hey, let it ride. Let it ride. Yes, yes
1: she did. Yes, she does. And I, I she doesn't like it, Mike. Do you think this is bad? When she shoots, I yell incoming. She doesn't like that very much.
0: Hey. <laughs> Man. I thought it hey, was I fu- thought going- it was funny. <laughs> so, okay. she doesn't. Hey, I'm going to check in on Sunday And get a game recap for you brother
1: You got it buddy I appreciate you Tell Layla I said hello Have a good time at the
0: game Alright have a good weekend Talk to you
3: Life is so much more than a diagnosis It's about sharing time with those you love Hanging with friends who lift you up And experiencing all those moments That bring you joy All hits, no skips
1: Uh, meantime of the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, I decided not to put James on the spot here, but from a variety of things, Locked On Pacers, uh, Channel 13, it's our good friend Tony East who does a great job covering the Pacers. Did you recognize that reentry song, Tony? The, sa- the safety one? Yes.
4: Of course I did. I'm not that young. It, is that a one-hit wonder? Oh, I think so. I would say so.
1: They had a song, and I blank you not on this, in 87, 88, maybe 1988. You can play this whenever you, you stop educating us when we're done, called Pop Goes the World. That was a highly ranked and rated song back in 1988, I think it was. Pop Goes the World. So it is not, Men Without Hats is not a one-hit wonder.
4: I, uh, I have to trust you on all things music, I believe. I think that is a requirement.
1: <laughs> Just trust me. The Canadian band Men Without Hats, not a one-hit wonder. And frankly, neither is Rick Carlisle. I mean, you can go to a variety of stops. Now, the second time here, winning a title in Dallas, being in Detroit as well. Um, we'll get to the, the timing behind his extension in a second. But what I have found interesting, and I'm sure you have as well, is his evolution as a coach and how he's looking at things, how his teams play now versus the past. That's even more interesting, I think, than anything else, Tony, right now.
4: Yeah, both how he's evolved stylistically and how he's evolved in terms of his focus with the team, right? Because, you know, we talked about it today. When he got here, they were trying to win, right? Brogdon, Sabonis, yes. LaVert on that team. And, of course, it didn't go well. But the fact that he had to pivot to being a development coach, a culture setter coach, a guy trying to put a whole different team in positions to succeed, like he's had to develop players before, obviously, but he was known for in Dallas and with the Pacers and Pistons more for his, being a tactician, being really good at adjusting the game and I think he's done a great job of pivoting to what this team needed in terms of development and his work with individual players. And, of course, working with guys like Jason Kidd and Luca before made him very well-equipped to handle someone like Tyrese Halliburton And that change has made him the right coach for the Pacers to meet these last couple of years. And you've seen it. Like, a lot of guys have come to the Pacers as their second stop or third stop as young guys and gotten better very quickly, right? Halliburton, Jalen Smith, Neesmith, to name a few. Toppin, they're trying that bet again this year. A lot of their young guys have gotten better pretty quickly here. And even Buddy and McConnell had career years under Carlisle. So I think that's been the biggest change for me with him that's made him a great fit with this team is just how he's kind of evolved as a coach from what he used to be and what he used to be known as to the coach he is now.
1: T- Tony East joins us, covers the Pacers, Pacers-Cleveland coming up tomorrow, 1-0 and on the season after knocking off Washington on Wednesday night in the Gamebridge Fieldhouse home opener. Uh, so Tyrese Halliburton, you mentioned him, a stomach bug evidently. Is that going to keep him from playing, you think, tomorrow night? And is he kind of like me if you eat something green like lettuce, which I love eating salads, <laughs> you can't tell? but I love eating salads, and for whatever reason, it turns my stomach upside down. Is What's the culprit here with this stomach bug, and is it going to be long-lasting?
4: Hard to say. He did not practice today, we learned. Um, but they're hopeful he can play tomorrow. He's listed questionable. You just never know with, with stomach bugs. Maybe you hit the restroom yeah. at the right time, and all of a sudden, you're good to go. Uh, that's obviously a significant thing, given the Pacers identity and the fact that they're playing a much better team tomorrow night. So we don't have a ton of details on it. He's sick. Uh, I think the Pacers hope it's food poisoning because that could certainly pass faster than some other things. But uh, we don't have too many details on what it is. Someone replied yeah, to me I'm, on Twitter I'm, when I'm, I reported that, and they said, diarrhea, and it made me laugh quite hard. So you can hear these terrible yeah, things uh,
1: yeah, so. tire, yes. Well Yes. yes. And, and <laughs> I don't understand, in terms of NBA marketing, why they don't market to those brand names out there that deal with I'll call it stomach inflammation <laughs> because right. we we know this you can puke on the sideline you you know whatever but if you've got diarrhea you're not playing <laughs> so yeah, I mean right. it's nothing, and nothing you can do about that so I don't He's know why no like a Modium that. or something like that wouldn't be a major sponsor because these guys <laughs> got to get
4: out there and play every night. Gosh, I never know what we're going to get into when I when I answer the phone just <laughs> that. Uh, there's no,
1: there's well, yeah, one hit wonders that. from Canada and diarrhea was exactly what you were <laughs> thinking about when we called you. <laughs> so, yes, uh, that is, that is problematic. Hopefully he can. I do want to double back to Wednesday night. I said this, and, you know, a lot of people suggested, hey – Washington stinks. Now, I know the Pacers gave up 39, but they managed defensively things quite well, especially in the quarters that mattered after that. The fourth quarter was a runaway and hide scenario. But, you know, under 30 in the second, under 30 in the third, that was much better. But I thought the Pacers did this, and that was against that team. You treat them how you should treat them. You run away, and you hide. You beat them down. You put up 143. So I just thought the Pacers did their job, if for nothing else, on Wednesday night.
4: I agree, and I also have pointed to the quality of opponent. But they did a lot of stuff that it doesn't matter who they would have played, right? Like, yeah, they made 23s, yeah. but did they, did they take a bad three all night? Like, they were all either someone you're okay taking pretty much any three or wide open. And they never turned it over. They had 12 total they only like two turnovers in the second half, right? Like that's something you can focus on every game. And they scored 143, and they barely got the foul line. They only took 12 free throws. I think yeah. last season they took that few like five times total. So they had actually a lot of stuff they can do better <laughs> if you look at that. So, yeah, of course they're not going to make 23s every game, or else they might go 82-0. and 0, But they played really well in a lot of other ways that are repeatable. And I think they figured something out defensively with how they started mixing and matching with – you know, once that bench group started to go on a tear early in that second quarter, and, you know, I think they're going to have to work through a ton of kinks defensively still. That first quarter was discouraging, and they were playing the Wizards, but at least they hit the ground and got things going in the second quarter when they were running, and I think it was an encouraging start, even though, yes, opponent quality uh, certainly a factor.
1: You know, Tony, the other thing that I, I thought that they recovered from, you talk about giving up 39 in the first quarter, but they were – turning it over at a high rate, much like they had done in the preseason. And it seemed like that they they curbed that as the game went along Wednesday night, too.
4: Definitely cleaned up the passing. Like, they have a lot of guys who they're asking to keep the ball moving who you don't think of as, like, a creator with the ball in their hand. But, you know, Buddy Heald had, I think, five assists. Ben Matherin had five assists. Like, those guys kept it moving. They would navigate around the screen and pass it off to the right guy. I think they had 38 assists, which would have been a season high last year. They did it in the first game this year. So, you know, they were getting good looks because the ball was popping and not sticking with anybody. And to do that while also not throwing a ton of errant passes is pretty hard, Um, especially, you know, their whole goal is to get the other defense to rotate. Well, you over-rotate once, you can have one bad turnover, one dribble off your leg, none of that. They were really sharp with the ball for a lot of the game. And the first six minutes, certainly, Or something that I want to dive back into more of because what led to that? Was it just first game jitters? Was was there more pressure? Did they have to settle in? Who knows? I think we'll learn more about that against the Cavs, who were the best defensive team in the league last year. But, yeah, only having 12 the whole game is something that they – if they can repeat that every game, they'll be thrilled. All
1: right. I know everything evolves, man, during a really long NBA season. How much – of these rotational minutes do you think will evolve from what we'd witnessed in night number one? And then I said this yesterday, there's going to be a point in time and maybe it's going to be multiple, Tony, but a point in time when they need the value of TJ McConnell on the floor, off the bench. Maybe they got some dead ass guys. Maybe they're tired. Maybe the energy isn't there, but they're going to call upon him and he's going to provide that, which I still believe will be necessary. So, it's just a matter of time, but I think to me with T J McConnell offering up what he can off the bench at some point, it's a matter of when and not if. You agree?
4: Yeah, I think he'll like if there's injuries, he'll get in there for sure. Right? And he's a tense guy in theory in that game. He was you know, he was the first of the reserves to get some run, the big ovation from the crowd. And what he does is just something that like what I talk about with him a lot is Halliburton can really pass and get to the rim and make a defense rotate around and injured Emhart did well at that on Wednesday but McConnell last year was the only other guy who could kind of be like speedy with the ball and put pressure on the rim and let the Pacers play their style I feel like that's important is being able to not sacrifice your identity when you have your bench group in there so I think he'll get some chances to play this year we got to talk to him at practice today right and his whole career, he's kind of had to fight through situations like this, right? Like, he went undrafted and had to prove he was an NBA-quality player. And first time he came to the Pacers, he was the third-string point guard behind Aaron Holiday, proved that he should play then. So, I think that when I predicted the rotation before the season, I had basically the group they had on Wednesday, except I did have Jarrett Walker getting some time. So, I'm not stunned he's, he's the first guy on the outside, but... Uh, they only played nine, and we'll see how much of all as the season goes on. Open injuries, there'll be reasons to change given matchups. He'll get his minutes as they can. but fully really healthy. As the Pacers have kind of settled in, they played a lot of their younger guys, and Andrew Nemhard looked great at the one. It's hard to pull him out of that situation. I think that yeah. this is what we're going to see from the healthy Pacers going forward.
1: Hey, Tony East again covers the Pacers. That's uh, at si Pacers at Forbes Sports at wthr dot com at Locked On Pacers, basically. Everywhere via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. How interesting of a gauge do you think Cleveland's going to be tomorrow night? And I'll give it to you twofold. They have, if not an elite level player in the backcourt, near, actually two. If you want to combo those guys up between Garland and Mitchell, um, you probably aren't going to find two better guys in that backcourt actually on the same team. And then they offer something that not a lot of other teams offer up, and that's a pair of big dudes that play in the style most of the time what normal big dudes might on the low block in both Mobley and Allen. What most interests you about this early season matchup for the Pacers and a really good early season gauge in Cleveland tomorrow night?
4: Yeah, you kind of nailed both of the things that I think are really interesting. We'll see if Allen plays. He missed their first game, and – they're actually on a back-to-back. They play tonight before tomorrow, too. So we'll see if yeah. Allen's available for the Pacers game. But if he does, right, that was a big problem the Pacers had with his Cavs team last year is their size was just overwhelming. And it makes sense. Yeah. Their size was overwhelming against everybody. Mobley can guard on the perimeter, and he's huge. And Allen's tough to, to topple down low. So they've really struggled with their their size. They could bring in big guys off the bench, too. Dean Wade, other guys, that they, they have um, – uh, Damian Jones now down there as a backup big Tristan Thompson Pacers legend now on that team too like they've got size uh on that Cavs team so that's something the Pacers have struggled with we'll see how they respond to that and the lane being more clogged and then how they defend that backcourt that you alluded to right yeah. on yeah. NBA last year Darius Garland a really special player he like he's got a rare combination of shooting and passing so how do they line up right who does Hal Burton guard is it going to be Max Strus? is he going to be more off the ball than they put Bruce Brown and Matherin on those two, you know, all-star level guys, or does Hal Burton get one of the all-stars himself? And then someone else is somewhere else. I think we'll learn a lot about how the Pacers hope that backcourt can defend. And that's kind of the point of Bruce Brown's addition, right? Is that he can take some of those harder matchups. So where does Matherin slot in? How, where is he at defensively? I think is a big question we'll have answered. And, they play the Cavs four times, right? If they're able to keep up with them last year, they were fourth in the East. That's a very telling sign early in the season for this Pacers team.
1: Well, and the Cavaliers beat, uh, you, you mentioned it back-to-back at home for Cleveland tonight and tomorrow night, tomorrow night against the Pacers, but they beat Brooklyn the other night. Donovan Mitchell had 10 in the fourth, 10 of his 27. Um, and they were down six. And I think the final two minutes, they came back. And yeah. you know, Brooklyn did a lot of whacked out things that helped them win. <laughs> but ultimately Cleveland got, Cleveland got that win. I, I kind of look at it as I want this Pacer team to get better defensively. And that means some of their dudes have to get better defensively. And let's talk about Tyrese Halliburton. I don't know if I've ever heard it, but you cover this team all the time. Is is he a guy that will talk about wanting the responsibility at guarding the best that the opposition has to offer
4: in a backcourt on a given night? Yeah, they've never really talked about him in that way, right? In fact, his strength (laughs) defense and this comes from his offense right like he reads the game better than everybody else on the floor the other nine guys he reads the game better so on defense he's good off the ball because he kind of recognizes what's going on and what the Cavs are trying to run or where everybody's trying to stand like he can recognize the patterns of the game really well so his positioning on defense is really good and he's quick that's why he gets a lot of steals right and that helps the Pacers get into transition which is good but on the ball you know his lateral foot speed's not a strength and he's not the strongest guy so he's not as good at that and I think they know that, and part of why Bruce Brown's addition helps them so much. It lets Halberton be not the guy on the ball all the time, but there is also the element of, like, some stars just taking that matchup and taking it personally is a big leadership thing for their team and what it means for the rest of the guys on their roster following suit. That's been big for the Bucks with Giannis. KD's done that a lot in the past. So uh, I, we'll see if Halberton ever becomes that guy. I don't think he is that right now, though. It's,
1: uh, Tony East, who joins us. Why the timing after that first win over the Wizards and the extension for Carlisle? We all knew that it was coming, but was timing even a thought when that went down yesterday?
4: Uh, I think it sounds like they were talking about it before the season from talking to Rick earlier today. Yeah, I mean, there were. I, I don't know the exact reasons they decided now was the time to do it, but the, the two theories I have thought about is, one, You know, you never want your coach to be on an expiring contract. People refer to as a lame duck coach all the time. It's a tough situation, like if someone's coaching for their job or there's more pressure, that's maybe unnecessary, especially if the two parties know they want to continue together. And Carlisle originally signed a four-year deal. That was the reporting, at least, back in 2021. So if next year would have been his last year, but they knew they wanted it to go beyond that, then there's no point of just waiting and not doing it. Do it now, Get right? the extension get it over with don't have to think about it and i have no idea if he had any option years on his contract or anything like that and the other thing is right the coaching market changed a little bit this summer monty williams got so much money from the pistons and i forget the other one there was one more coach that got a nice contract this summer and I, i think the coaching market's changing a little bit which could lead to some of these extensions or bigger deals in the future again i have no idea what carlisle got financially or in terms of years but there's a lot of talk about what Ty Lue could get next summer in, in LA, and what Steve Kerr is going to get with Golden State. You know, you never know with this stuff of Carlisle being so well respected and being the right coach for this team. It just made sense now to do it with all those factors at play.
1: Hey, Tony, does Bruce Brown fit like a, a great puzzle piece with this roster right now, as well as it appeared in night number one?
4: <laughs> it's hard to imagine a better day, do right? Because the thing that that He'd, he doesn't lack shooting, but no one thinks of him as a shooter. He's never made more than four in a game until Wednesday. He couldn't miss, right? Like well, they a shooter, didn't really come out and challenge him too much. I'm assuming in the future <laughs> they will. <laughs> no, no kidding. Yeah, and he's like he's got the experience with a really good passer, which isn't like, like once you play with him once, you get it. But being ready all the time, like you see it sometimes with the Hawks, they'll be new guys. Playing with Trey Young and like they're not ready for a pass and it just flies out of bounds. Right, Bruce Brown played with Jokic last year, so he's ready to play with Ty and keep his hands up and be ready for the pass anytime. And he, he, the thing that strikes you about him and what makes him such a good fit with the Pacers is he, he doesn't suck at anything. Right, he's a good off-ball defender, he's a good on-ball defender, he can handle the ball. He played backup point guard for the Pistons and Nuggets. He played center for the Brooklyn Nets somehow, so he's a decent screener for a guard. He's a good enough shooter. He's a good enough passer. Like, not really any position you'd put him in, and you'd think that you're just – he's not going to give you something, right? His activity, he's a smart player. So, I wouldn't – it's hard to say that he – you know maybe on-ball defense is this thing. Like, I, it's hard to point to an elite skill that he has, except for maybe that on-ball defense. But he's so good at so many things that he does feel like a glove in any lineup, right? they He was with the second unit a lot on Wednesday because – He was the secondary ball handler with Andrew Nemhard, but then when he was with the starters, it was like, yeah, go stand in the corner and make threes and shoot. And he did both very well. So I don't think it's reasonable to expect him to hit six threes every game or even attempt eight. But if he can just fit with any group and be that level of player, I think he's going to give value to this team literally every day.
1: I I think you can certainly see the defining roles individually here with this group, especially those – that are coming off the bench. And one of those would be Buddy Heald. And we have talked about this before. And one of the reasons why I think he is of such significant value here or anyplace else is obviously his elite-level knockdown shooting. But you saw it again a number of times. Nothing discombobulated that second unit of Washington more than trying to tag and know where Buddy Heald was and whether he was shooting it and knocking it down, he got into a rhythm doing that or if he made an extra pass and got guys wide open looks, I think that is going to be a key against second units around the the NBA in which Heald and this Pacers squad can take full advantage of.
4: This is one of my favorite plays of the game, Wednesday. Kyle Kuzma scores a layup, and the Wizards take two seconds to celebrate some points. They're down by five, I think, in the second quarter. And then Buddy Heald and Tyra Talbert just sprint up and they hit a three four seconds later after a made basket, right? Like, because they forgot about Buddy Heald for one second in transition. And you can hear watching the broadcast Wes Untold yelling, ball, ball, and, and no one stopped him. They, they lost him for a second, right? You can't do that with Buddy Heald. And so when he's out there, even if he's just running around, not even touching the ball, it's four on four, right? We have talked about this all the time. And so was, I, I was curious in the offseason, and it's only been one game, but you know, he, him and Halliburton have awesome chemistry. So what would it look like in the moments when they're not together this year? Can they both be – as spectacular as they are i don't have as many questions about Halbern being spectacular but can to really be that guy without one of the best passers next to one well, on the first game yeah he was right he hit the threes him and Nemhard linked up well he was still a threat on the offensive end and like i said the five assists like when he caught it on the move he made good passes he made good reads he made the shots like it's hard to ask more about he in the game like that certainly of course the defensive side is going to be question marks for him for a while but if he can shoot like that and and, in fact, the defense in the way he did, he's going to be a valuable player for this team.
1: Boy, we've seen Jalen Smith, in closing here, stake his claim to that backup role and then push that thing up a notch in night number one. Did we not? We well, did.
4: Uh, we got to the center position. It's not a Pacers season until JMV's responding to people about Miles Turner. I didn't think we'd ever talk about the center position. No, you, did,
1: you see, did you see that the other night, by the way? Literally, it was, it was, the first three minutes of the game. The first three minutes <laughs> of the game. But th- this guy... This guy is a complete crank, and I think he just sends it any anyway. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the first three minutes of the game. I think Miles started 0 of 3, and then I got that in the first three minutes of the game. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it's, one of the great <laughs> joy, it's one of the great joys of Pacers' season for me. Um, yeah, Jalen Smith earned it, right? Like, that's what they talked about with the backup center spot in preseason and yeah. camp was someone will earn it. They will play the best. And, of course, we can't see practice. We can only see games, but – in the games, he was far and away the best backup five. Like he was better than Jackson, he's better than Tice. He didn't miss in Houston. Yeah, I think he only missed once in one of their other preseason games. And his rebounding was great. And then, you know, you wonder because consistency has kind of been a thing for him his whole career. Can he keep doing it? Heck yeah! Five for six from the field, thirteen points, eight rebounds. Did well enough around the basket defensively. Like that's what they need him to be. And if he can, if he can shoot this year, I don't know if he'll be as good as he was that stretch with the Pacers right when he got traded here. But if he can make a third of his threes this year, that would just like he can do at at a lower level still, but he could do a lot of stuff Turner does. And all of a sudden the thing I said earlier about playing the same identity that they do, you know, whatever point guards in, they don't have to change as much with Smith in for Turner. Like, yeah, he's not as good as Turner, but he can do a lot of the same stuff stylistically in a way that you can keep playing your style. And I think that matters a lot. So, He's certainly earned this role. He's played the best of those guys. He continued that against Washington, and I think he can keep it up, but consistency's been his thing. If he makes his shots, though, that's going to be great for this team.
1: I'll tell you what, if he can stretch it out like that and make those threes as he did, that changes a dynamic completely for he and his game, and it also changes the dynamic because I'll get a lot of people saying, you know what, Smith needs to start over Turner. So I also embrace that no. coming up. So that, that could very well <laughs> be the case. Uh, Tony East has got you at S. I Pacers at Forbes Sports, at WTHR.com, at Locked on, uh, Locked on Pacers, I should say. Tony East on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. <laughs> Enjoy that game. Coming up tomorrow night. I'm sure we'll catch up next week, too. But I am so stinking glad basketball is back. It has been so refreshing since Tuesday when it officially got underway. The Pacers on Wednesday. And then, you know, those two games were outstanding last night, man. I'm glad it's back.
4: Uh, me, too. I mean, it, it's hard because I had to keep up with the Phillies, but they got eliminated on opening night of the NBA. So now I don't have to worry about my yeah. baseball team anymore. It's all NBA for me. I'm excited.
1: <laughs> Tony, I appreciate it, man. We'll do it again soon.
3: jamming out to something new and everything in between
1: currently on the road voice of the Hoosiers every Friday right here in the five o'clock hour on the Andy Moore automotive group hotline I'm assuming presently hold up in crappy Valley Pennsylvania the side of Penn State <laughs> 10th ranked Penn State and in Indiana tomorrow at noon here's the voice of the Hoosiers Don Fisher crappy Valley right or happy Valley happy- oh it's
5: crappy it's crappy
0: <laughs>
1: yeah
5: i can I'm imagine a happy boy today i mean here's what you have Uh-oh. to know john i, I okay. For an hour today i spent trying to figure out why we had a uh, miscommunication with the hotel apparently and and uh our company and uh uh, well, the miscommunication started with the fact that when they charged my credit card for our room, which they weren't supposed to do, it's supposed to go on the master bill. Uh, my credit card company declined the charge because it was two thousand forty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and so therefore, um, I went up to the front desk and said, "What's going on here?" Well, that's the contract uh, with Indiana University. I said, "Oh, really?" So apparently, because they have so few hotel rooms in Crappy Valley, um, yes. it costs you big time when you come here to see a football game because they can get it because people yeah. will pay because they want to stay someplace close to State College and there aren't very many hotels within. You know, once you get outside the city limits here, there's probably not a hotel within an hour away. Uh so they're to sleep you in the van
1: tonight, or what? What the hell happens? <laughs>
5: No, we, we got it straightened out. I mean, we're in a hotel room, oh. but that's about all I can say for it.
1: <laughs> Holy crap. Well, I was going to joke a little bit about it, but I think you're <laughs> that's not. It's that's not a joking matter
5: right there. Did somebody get yelled at? Uh, no, there was no yelling, but there was Good. consternation on the face. <laughs> oh, no.
1: So they charged over two grand on your credit card.
5: Yes. Now, yes, and then my credit card was declined because my credit card was then. Then the credit card company calls me, or not calls me, but they email me. Go, did you charge this amount of money? Because we think it's fraud. (laughs) (laughs) So so then I got to call the credit card company. So literally, I spent an hour dealing with this stuff here this afternoon, of which I didn't need to deal with at all. But nevertheless, I did. So you know, you got to do what you got to do.
1: Well. Um well that means the rest of this will be a lot better for you right? I mean maybe that means the rest of the trip will work out much better for you.
5: Well let's hope so. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> no it's it is what it is. Wow. I've had these I've had these issues with the hotels before but not quite to this extent not not to a decline of my uh, credit card because of they think it's fraud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: I And then to get there and find that out, and you're right, there's no other place to go around there on a yeah. weekend like that. Is is it
5: homecoming weekend there? Uh, no, it's not homecoming. This is just a normal, everyday week in the, in the life wow. of Penn Staters. <laughs> wow. Um, so it how is, is that it normally
1: is. handled? They, so, how was how your accommodations normally handled? I, I never knew how that. That went down. How does it?
5: Well, this year we tried. We literally this year we tried to be put on the master bill with the Indiana University, and yeah. that hasn't worked out all that great either. Oh no. But nevertheless, but nevertheless, it's not. It's it's just a miscommunication thing at this point, and because it's new, because we've always paid for our own rooms. You know, everybody that's in my crew, uh, we've always paid for our own rooms and then turned in an expense to the company to IU right. Sports properties in Delirfield. But this year they're trying to, trying to put us on the master bill with the so it's not confusing to you know, we, we, we have to go, we're the only guys that go up and get our rooms charged to us when we go to a, a facility. In the past, now we're going to be on the master bill, and then they're going to charge everything at once to IU Sports Properties in Learfield. So, anyway, it, it, this is way uh, off off of talking points of what I should be talking about here. I'm just kind of passing <laughs> along because it's fun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah, oftentimes this may be more entertaining to folks than actually talking about the product we have seen. So, yeah, I mean, honestly – uh maybe. Yeah, maybe not the case, but maybe. Now was Rhett in a
5: similar situation? Oh yeah. And and he got here he flew in, you know, he flies into from LA, so he gets here. Yeah. Uh and he gets that uh <laughs> he gets the charge in his credit card and he went, What? <laughs> so, so he had a little issue with it too, but uh, we straightened it all out and I think everything's nice. gonna be fine.
1: You know, well, I mean, uh, go out there and get yourselves a huge steak tonight, um, and uh, you know, <laughs> charge that to somebody. <laughs> I
5: think we'll try. We'll try to get Greg Kincaid, who's a former uh, SID at IU, who's now here at Penn State as their football SID. We might have to. And maybe we'll go to Pat Kraft and say, Pat, why don't you take care of this? <laughs> He's the AD. Well,
1: I mean, you, you, you could have slept. You guys all could have spent the night at the Bryce Jordan Center because there's never anybody in there.
5: Ah, uh, you're right. <laughs> 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 Well, hey, actually, you can Mike use
1: that very... joke later on tonight, okay? Yeah. You have my permission. Yeah. Use that joke so Mike, later on tonight, yeah.
5: I, I will say this. They actually had more fans show up last year than normal, but they still had the curtain on the upper deck. <laughs> they still had it drawn, so it's still <laughs> well, not very now, good here. <laughs> well,
1: Mike is gone now, so you, you know where it's, it's going to go right back down the tubes again. You know that, so uh, I, that's I, what's going to happen. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, um, well, apparently so. I so. Well, I don't really... I don't know what uh, about last week. It's just kind of, unfortunately, at this point, is about par for the course, right, with, uh, with Rutgers and what, what you've seen. And it's not like the schedule gets any easier. Now you get number 10 Penn State, I'm sure, feeling like they're coming off uh, uh, something where they need to, uh, to get a little good feeling back. It just always seems like week to week a tough situation for this program.
5: Well, I don't think there's much question about that. And without a doubt, right now, this team is struggling big time. And and somehow, some way, they've got to find a way to get it turned around. And, you know, we we just keep hoping that it happens. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, oftentimes it does not. And and right now, under these circumstances, uh, Tom and his staff are doing everything they can to get these guys pumped up and jacked up and ready to play. And, uh, you know, you just hope that they can come out and execute. And not let the first couple of mistakes that they make, because mistakes are made in every football game, but hopefully they're not catastrophic mistakes that get you off on the wrong foot. And they have started out fairly strong in the last two ball games. Actually, the last three games have actually played pretty good at the very beginning ballgames, but they just can't sustain it. And unfortunately, uh, from that point forward, it kind of goes down the tubes. But you know, you just keep hoping that, that that they can get it turned around. At this juncture, we'll just have to wait and see. I think a, a, a second straight start or, or third, whatever it may be, now for Brendan Soresby, may help him. Uh, certainly, he was named the guy last week, and and hopefully that changes things for this ball club. And and I, I'm not saying that the quarterback situation is great because it's not. You got redshirt yeah. freshmen who are going to make mistakes, and that's just the that's the facts of life. Uh, unfortunately. Uh, in this circumstance, there simply hasn 't been anybody else you could stick in there with any veteran experience, and therefore you 're going to have to live with those mistakes that are made and some you know inconsistent play, so to speak. But this team 's got to start running the ball better. I hope Trent Holland might be an answer to some of that because he certainly the last two weeks when he 's played has given this team a shot in the arm with what he 's been able to do performance wise, uh, but they're still they 're still going to have to throw the football. You're going to play a defense tomorrow that's as good as anybody in the Big Ten as far as against the run. They've been terrific against the run this year, so you're going to have to be able to throw the football to some degree with success. And if you don't, it's going to be a long day.
1: It's so Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, live from Crappy Valley, Pennsylvania, right now in preparation for the game tomorrow. <laughs> noon is the kick. That's 11 a.m. Your coverage begins on 93 WIBC. You would know this so much better than I, but it's been my theory that at some point – we're going to see Dexter Williams uh, back out there and playing. Is, is that uh, a matter of time in your estimation?
4: I, I think, and I will,
5: I will say that they've talked about putting in a package for him. Uh, whether that means tomorrow he'll get that package unraveled and he'll get a chance to, to go on the field or not, we'll just have to wait and see. I do think that there's a question mark about his mentality and, and, and belief that he is 100%. And you just never want that to, to – you don't want to put a guy out there when he doesn't believe that he's 100%. So Because I think physically he, he looks good, but, but you just don't know what his mentality is at this juncture. And I know they didn't play him last week as they didn't the week before, even though he was made available and with dressing for the ball games, but he did not play in them, and I think they felt like he still wasn't mentally ready to go. But I think Dexter Williams could give this team a little bit of a shot in the arm at the same time. I don't want to take anything away from the confidence level of the guy that's in there now in Brendan Soresby or Taven Jackson. I I just think that that's one thing that you you're going to continue to do. If you keep substituting in quarterbacks all the time, I think it's, I just don't think you can do that. Yeah, no, no,
1: you're absolutely right. It just, I just thought that it would be a matter of time at some point to where you would see that. But yeah, I mean, if, if you don't decide, it's just a vicious cycle that is never ending and, you know, something else you can add to this, this type of season, which uh, nobody views fondly in terms of going through. So seems like uh, at some point that, that will happen as well. Right, Penn State, yeah. how different is this Penn State team from those you have seen? I mean, it's 10th ranked. They have one loss of the season. Good compared to the last handful of years. In what way, maybe not as good in what way from what you have witnessed in the past year? What's the squad look like?
5: I, I, don't, I don't think they're as strong at linebacker, but they may be better at defensive back than they've been in a long time. I mean, they've had some good defensive backs here, too. But I think their strength in this team uh, is on the defensive side of the football, but not by much over the offense, because the offense runs the ball really well. they got two really outstanding sophomore running backs. Both played a lot last year. Both are playing a bunch this year. Um, their quarterback is is really solid as well. Drew Aller but he's a young guy still he makes a mistake now every now and then even as a sophomore um, but he's a very talented quarterback and he's a big strong kid who can run so you've got to be very aware of him and the offensive line I, you know I always think offensive lines for Penn State Michigan or Ohio State are tough to beat in this league uh, along with Wisconsin when they're running the football so I don't see much difference in this team. Uh, I think the only difference is they're coming off a, a bad loss against, I say bad loss, it's a loss that uh, James Franklin has taken a lot of heat for because they, they just don't be able to see to win the big games against the Michigans or the Ohio States. And I think uh, at this juncture, uh, he's starting to take some heat because of that, even though they are just one lost team and are still ranked 10th in the country. Believe it or not, they're still taking heat.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. It's just a a different level of heat altogether. And, yeah, I mean, you you get close, and that's not going to be good enough. You're 10th ranked with one loss. That's not going to be good enough. And um, they're they're probably looking to put the hammer down on somebody uh, coming up tomorrow, which is uh, unfortunate. uh, But it's the way the schedule works out. Don Fisher joins us. I I did want to talk a little bit about the basketball. Are Are we past McKenzie and Baco and the adventures at Bloomington Taco Bell at this point now?
5: I believe so, uh, based on the press conference that was held today. And Coach uh, Woodson, uh, in his Zoom press conference, uh, told everybody that uh, this is behind us now. We're not worried about it anymore. Don't talk. And he didn't say, don't ask any more questions about it. <laughs> but, but I think everybody yeah. got the hint. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, got- I think that's the case.
1: Yeah, I mentioned this when, when this news came out. Is my whole thought has always been, and I've gone through this before too. It was just in Lawrence County. You can imagine how that ended badly. But uh, say, well, really the same way, <laughs> just as bad. But um, right. I uh, I always thought when the popo tells you to go go, then you go go regardless. That was always my thought. So outside of that one time when it wasn't, and oops, you pay the price. So I don't know. That's that's kind of how I looked at it earlier this week. So,
5: yep, I think I I think that's over with at this point, John. I'm going, I, and I sounding a little hollow, hollow to you right now, John. I'm in an. Yeah, elevator.
1: you sound like you're in the back stall in the bathroom there at the. uh
5: <laughs> no, the uh, Hilton elevator, the Hilton Day right. Fisher
1: you're paying for there.
5: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm literally I'm headed out here because uh, I'm being picked up to take uh, go. see we're auxiliary hotel today because of uh, the the constraints the previous hotel with the student body and or our football team is staying at they just didn't have enough rooms so we had to stay in an auxiliary place here we're in the spring hill suites and, and it's a nice hotel so it's not bad so
1: well good dude. we got a bunch of ron collie girls in the house right now volleyball really? girls you on the semi-state Did you hear them yeah yeah I do. semi-state done in jasper tomorrow
5: and so. they're the Royals, aren't t- they? Now they're not the Rebels any longer. They're the Royals, right? They
1: are. They are the Royals. Although my son likes to rock the Rebels gear, still, I think that I think you are still allowed to do it um, if you're a senior right now. So he's rocking. The, he likes to rock the Rebel gear still, even though they're the oh, good Royals. Good for him. Yes.
5: Good for him. I like. Yeah. I, I love that, Blake. That's really good, man. Yeah, <laughs> he
1: rocks. He rocks it for sure. Um, I, have you seen any more? practices other than the times we have talked in the last two weeks for this basketball team? I
5: I saw practice this week. Uh, You know, they practiced again. They they scrimmaged a little bit while I was there. I had to leave a little bit early, so I didn't get to see the whole scrimmage. But based on what Mike was saying, I think he felt pretty good about what he was seeing from his ball club at this point. But he needs to see them against somebody outside of themselves at this juncture. And there's no question the exhibition ball game coming up on Sunday will be something that will be, you know, that he's looking forward to just to to get a better feel for his basketball team.
1: Now, is is that you on the radio? What's that? Is there any radio coverage of that Sunday?
5: Oh yes, sir. Of course there is. Okay. Well, well, radio. we got to talk
1: about that. I, I I figured there was, but we I guess we hadn't talked about it to this point. I'm just hoping you get back in one piece from Happy Valley here. So. <laughs>
5: No, we'll be good. As long as I don't have my credit card declined again, we'll be good.
1: <laughs>
5: <laughs> so, yeah, you get
1: back coming up tomorrow and, uh, yeah, not get any gas in Martinsville. And that's what happens
5: Jeff, right Keg, there. I, Jeff, Keg, Jeff, Keg, Jeff Keg wants some airtime. He just wants, wants you to know he's saying hello to you. <laughs> Man, Kegger! Hello to
1: Kegger. Hey, tell Kegger he's got to be paying after this fiasco so far today. This has got to go on his credit card. So you think you think that you, you don't think you'll
5: have alligator arms at dinner tonight?
1: Um, well, he's <laughs> going to go to the bathroom five times when the check comes. You know that.
5: <laughs> I'll let him know that. too.
1: <laughs> we we used to have a dude, Don, that did that all the time, man. when it was his turn to buy the round like a Kilroy sports bar. He would right. always have to go to the bathroom. So there was one point when we just all went and had the the uh, the person come in serving us service us in the bathroom. Say, hey, it's your time now, brother. Let's go. So that's funny. there's always one in a group. Don always.
5: Uh, <laughs> that's why mm-hmm. like kegger just took the wrong. He took the wrong <laughs> term. They're gonna let us go here.
4: <laughs> he Don, Don, Don Fisher he and the off. kegger.
1: It, <laughs> <laughs> adventures in happy Valley going on right now at Penn state
5: <laughs> 11 a.m. We're going back to the team hole. Now we're going back to the team hotel now, so I can interview coach coach Allen for pre pregame show tomorrow. So we didn't get killed. That's the good news.
1: <laughs> no, that's, that's good. Make sure he keeps that thing between the lines. Hey, what time do you start on Sunday with the basketball? Game?
5: We'll be on the air tomorrow at 11 and Sunday at 12 noon.
1: I will say this. I'm, I'm interested to see IU's basketball team because there is so much of an unknown. I know that that leads to a little bit of apprehension because you haven't seen it. But it's also a little bit of excitement because there is so much of an unknown coming back.
5: Well, there's no question. When you've got basically six new guys on your basketball team, I mean, and you've lost four starters from the previous ball club, you know things are not going to be... Really, right on top of the world at the beginning of the season, but at the same time, you did bring in some talent. And I know Coach Woodson uh, thinks he's got enough talent there to put it together and get all the pieces together. It's just a matter of how long it's going to take.
1: All right, I know you're going to get rolling here to talk to the coach, but seriously, make sure Kegger pays for all that tonight. Big, big steak, <laughs> lots of I mean, sides, you, you, you some drinks, all of for it.
5: Steak tonight? Is that what you're saying? You yes, think Kegger should pay for yeah. steak tonight.
1: I like it. Yeah, he, I know. He's going to run you to Subway or something like that if it's up to him. So, no, make sure you go out for steak. <laughs>
5: we'll be going back to the hotel right now. He's going to offer me a PB&J. That's what he's going to offer me. Everybody yeah, exactly. Right
1: yeah. We'll get, here's we're here's, get your, here's your your. <laughs> Cheez-Its and your Crestable right here. Yeah, make him, make him pay. So, make him, make him pay for sure. All right, we'll be listed tomorrow, 11 a.m., that's when the coverage begins. Penn State, IU, tomorrow, 11 a.m., noon to start. That's on 93 WIBC. And then on Sunday, you get that first exhibition action with the IU basketball team coming at you as well. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline with quite the adventure today in Pennsylvania. <laughs> All right, man. You'll go have a couple hey. of drinks and wind down later
5: on, okay? All right, John. Thanks a lot, man. See you.
1: On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, our guy's going to be incredibly busy coming up later on this evening. Sectional semifinal Friday night. And much like it is in basketball as well, it's just maybe one of the best nights as far as the calendar year of sports would be concerned on the high school level. From Indiana Sports Talk, brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana Joe Childers Run CarX Locations. Bob Lovell joins us. I was just talking to Mike Wells. He and Kyle of the star, will be there tonight. You've got the big one in Brownsburg <laughs> and Ben Davis. And, and I view it this way, Bob. It's going to be the team that wins is going to be incredibly happy. The team that loses is going to be wondering how they can change up this process and get to seeding. Because these, frankly, are two of the best teams in the state of Indiana that square off in night number two of the tournament itself but obviously night number one in terms of 6A, it is gigantic this evening.
6: Well, it it really is, John. I mean, it's, uh, I think, the same way when you look at 3A with uh, Shatard and Garin. That's number one and number two. So those are two enormous football games. I mean, really, uh, all year long, those four teams have had great success, and uh, two of them are going to advance, obviously, and two of them won't, and so... Yeah, it's a very, very big night. Uh, clearly, a lot on the line, and uh, I'm not sure who gets the edge in, in either game. They're all, they're all pretty good, to be honest. So you, uh, it'll be, it'll be great fun. I think we're going to get decent weather for it too. And so, um, you have to be at your best. So conditions won't be a problem. You're going to have to go out and play some football and win a game. Hey, matchup-wise in 6A at least
1: around here. That's obviously the best. I think Ben Davis. Their only loss came to that uh, Sports Factory in Florida, I believe, right? right? IMG. That was their only right. loss, and then Brownsburg, obviously nine and zero. Oh. Uh, if you were to look at other places, though, number one, Center Grove at eight and one. They're four and five. Franklin Central is their matchup coming up this evening, and then I guess you can look at this as well. Westfield at eight and one, and five yeah. and four. Carmel. It has sure. not been like that prototypical Bob Carmel season to date. But you know, once you get to this time of year, how
6: dangerous the Hounds can be. Well, um, they're very good. Clearly have been, you know, one-state championships. Westfield played for a championship a year ago. Uh, and, and so, you know, it, it's Hamilton County. It's bragging rights. It's another step you have to take uh, to get to this particular point. I like the Lawrence-Central-Lawrence-North matchup, number 12 and number 13. So that's a, another great game. Um, clearly you know it's a situation where uh not just here in central indiana but you've got g- great games going on all around uh cathedral hosted north central is a, is a good one uh, hse has to travel to fort wayne Northrop to take on an extremely talented northrop team um so that's going to be a good one the best of the bunch might just be uh, bloomington north hosting bloomington yeah. south john that's another one versus two matchup, and Clearly, uh, at this stage of the tournament, to have two Bloomington schools, to have you know a city like that, have both their teams in it uh, at the semifinals of the sectional is a, a, a remarkable feat
5: for everybody.
6: Yeah, Bloomington South has one loss, and that is earlier
1: in the season to their crosstown rival Bloomington North. Scott Bless is having an outstanding season. Mm-hmm. And I would love, you know, it would concern me that you beat South in the regular season, now you get them to beat them twice in one year like that is so incredibly difficult. Talented North team, but that is going to be as difficult, I'm sure, as anything, even that earlier win over South that the Cougars had seen on their schedule to this point. It's going to be really tough.
6: I think it, we all know how tough it is. It doesn't matter what sport it is. Uh, but a lot, of team, a lot of time has taken place between that first matchup. Uh, i wouldn 't say that the teams are, are have changed dramatically, but there there have been some uh, days in between and so uh it 's a great ma- no question it 's a great matchup i 'm concerned about my Quakers having to uh, having to play Harrison out of west lafayette they they're a good team Quakers are at home yeah. tonight Decatur Central at McCutcheon 's another good matchup um, so you know what you look around I think uh, one that 's might be flying under the radar. New Pal hosting Greenfield Central. Greenfield Central but having a great, great season without question. And New Pal is just New Pal, quite frankly. So, um, John, it's one of those things where you get a chance. You really want to see some great football. You need to go out and watch some of these games.
1: Now, I'd have to check on this. I could be inaccurate, but I believe the lone loss for Greenfield Central, and I was right is at the hands of New Pal. And we talked about yep. this too. It kind of yep. seems like sports wise, Greenfield Central is having a renaissance of sorts out there right now. And you talk about wanting to get a
6: little bit of revenge, that opportunity looms for the Cougars tonight. Well Greenfield Central had a great win over Pendleton Heights last week to get to this point. And so yeah, I mean you you're playing New Pal has won state championships, dominates that conference and has already beaten you. So there's a lot on the line here for the obvious reason, too. You get a chance to play next week, but uh, it's, a, it's a really, really, really good matchup. Lutheran and single-A, John, I want to get ahead of myself, but Lutheran uh, is on a roll, looking good. They play South Putnam uh, on the road. South Putnam's had a great year, ranked number six, but Lutheran is uh, the dominant team in single-A, so could get interesting. Park Tudor hosting Clinton Central, which is a neat matchup. The legendary Bud Wright at Sheridan just keeps rolling along. Yep. They played Tindley tonight. So plenty of games, plenty of great games to go watch tonight. And uh, catch us when you get in the car driving home, and we'll try we'll try to chat up some of
1: them. He is uh, brought to you by your 14th Central Indiana. Joe Childers run CarX locations. That is carx.com for that location nearest you. Bob, level Indiana sports talk as he mentioned tonight tomorrow night we'll get you recapped, updated and educated on all that is going down. Brian Duggar is 7 and 3 at Martinsville. I think around 27-19 overall right. in 4 right. years. He's doing a really good job cuz I mean, I know just hearing from people down there um it, it has been um an exercise in trying to take these things back to the level on a lot of sports down there in which that Artesian fans and folks are accustomed to. Now, unfortunately, the 7-3 and three Martinsville team that has played really well in the last month plus, you run into the defending state champions and East Central coming up later on this evening, which is going to be a task that really needs no definition.
6: Well, there's a reason, obviously, that they won a year ago, haven't lost a game this year, and you're right. I and mean, it's one of those things, uh, you're playing the best team in Foray, but you're playing them at your place. You're playing at home with the emotion, with the crowd, with the familiarity, and so you know if you're a, a player, if you're a coach, you know, you laid awake at nights dreaming about a night like this, <laughs> and, and now you now you get a chance to play it. But East Central uh, is really dominant. Uh, they they run the ball at you. Uh, they can they can score. Uh, it's hard to score against them. Uh, having won it a year ago. You know, they've had the experience, have some really solid kids coming back. But the Artesians have had a great season. And uh, they're yeah. hopeful, clearly, that it continue. But they'll have to get out, not take, uh, not turn it over, uh, not give up big plays. It's a asking a lot against a team of East Central's caliber. Hey, Bob,
1: Sexual 21, Lebanon and Brabuff and Ron Roncalli in Mooresville. This has not been a typical campaign for Ron Roncalli especially stretch run-wise, to say the least. They get Mooresville tonight, Brabuff and Lebanon in two semifinal matchups.
6: But these teams are evenly matched, John. That's what makes this uh, you know, a pretty good night. I mean, Mike Gillen's going to be a Hall of Fame. If he's not already in it, he should be in the Hall of Fame, coach. So you don't bet against him. Uh, this team has not performed, I know, to his expectations, but they're, they're pretty good. Ron Talley, same thing. Uh you know, you, I think you use it as a, a motivation with your group. Hey, look, we get a second chance to come into a tournament and prove to ourselves and other people that we're better than what we are. And so that's why I think with uh, with these four teams you mentioned, they're all pretty evenly matched. And I think all trying to, uh, to achieve the same goal is to turn around a season that hasn't gone the way they wanted and get a chance to do it in, in the sectional semifinals. And what better way to prove yourself? Man, I I'll tell you
1: what, 3A stacked. Chittard unblemished on the season. Garen eight and two. That's a hell of a matchup in the sectional semifinal round. You get uh, Boone Grove and Hanover Central up there near the re- the regional armpit, which is a nice matchup. Heritage Hills nine and one in the South. Southridge seven and three. Try West at nine and one. I mean, across the board, you've got some solid teams getting ready to play later on tonight in 3A, eh, Bob.
6: You do the clearly the marquee game is the chittard Garin Catholic matchup. Yeah. That's number one and number two. But uh, Nick Hart and his kids uh, down at Gibson Southern can throw it. Uh, have scored a lot of points against a lot of people. Heritage Hills, perennial power down in the southwestern part of the state, uh, playing a very good Southridge team as you pointed out. I'm intrigued by Hamilton Heights. They're so good defensively. They play McConaughey tonight, and Hamilton Heights has been. They were on a five-game stretch earlier in the year where they didn't give up a point. And so uh, this is the kind of team you need to have when you're playing a tournament. Uh, Maybe as good a game there is in in 3A as Lawrenceburg at Batesville as number nine versus number ten. Two pretty good uh, football teams. But, again, I still think you look at Shatard and Gary Catholic, the winner of that game, I think, has a great chance to win the 3A title or at least play for it.
1: There it is. Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk. He's got you covered on the high school football landscape throughout the state tonight, of course. Sectional semifinal in football Friday night. Brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana Joe Childers run. CarX locations. That's carx.com for that location nearest you. I know you're going to be busy tonight, man. Have a great one. Have a great tomorrow night as well. And we'll, we'll do it again on sectional Friday night with the finals next Friday, Bob. Thank you. Thanks, John. As always, thanks for having me.